she's bringing the word this morning. And as we were singing the song about pursuing God, going into the deeper water and stirring up deep, deep wells, this is a woman that has a very deep well. And I know that she constantly is moving in the spirit, stirring it up of her own and letting other people come and encourage her or either sharpen her to do the same thing. So I'm super excited to hear what she has to bring. And we just say, stir it up more, Lord. Oh, thank you, thank you. You bless me, Melissa. (laughs) It's always nice to have people around us who know us and see things about us that sometimes we might struggle to see. Um, It's always a great reminder of how God sees you. Uh, And uh, it's so super cool. Oh my goodness. So I'm just a little bit uh, sleep deprived, so I might be a little bit slap happy. That doesn't mean you can come and slap me to make me happy. (laughs) I might be happy and I'll come slap you. (laughs) And that'll make me more happy. But um, anyway, it's all good. God uses whatever he he places in front of us. And um, he's going to use me today. And I know I know he's got good stuff. Um. So our scripture today, one of them that we're going to be focusing on a little bit, is out of uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter ten, verses twenty-seven through twenty-eight. And if you want to take a minute and go there, um, I'll I'll let you get there and. I'll pray as as you're finding your way. So, Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, God, for your word as it comes forth, Lord, and everything that you have in store for us this morning and every morning hereafter that, God. We just speak your promise into this day. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for your truths that you have revealed to me and how I get this great opportunity to share it with the multitudes. So I just bless you, God. I thank you for um, all my brothers and sisters in Christ and how you want to move on us, how you want to make us better than who we are, how you desire, God, for us to step into the destiny that you have ordained for us. And so we choose to go there with you, God. (laughs) And uh, we're thankful, Father, for your great love for us. We're thankful, God, for you. So as we step into the word today, God, may we hear what you need us to hear, God. May we receive it into our hearts and to our spirits in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my sermon is called, Nothing Can Thwart... God's destiny. Nothing can thwart God's destiny. And I've been, as I've been reflecting upon that over the last couple weeks, he has brought to my mind the scripture, and it was just a phrase, you know, that nothing can take us out of God's hand. You know, there's a, there's a song that we sing in Christ alone, you know. No power of man, no scheme of hell can take us from, you know, the power, uh, the hand of God. And so I was like, God, I have to really do some research a little bit and find out where this is at. Because I know you say it in your word that nobody can take us out of your hand. And so, lo and behold, it's in John Chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. And it's it's towards the tail end where Jesus is talking about him being the good shepherd. And so he says, my own sheep will hear my voice and I know each one and they will follow me. 
I give to them the gift of eternal life and they will never be lost and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. So Jesus says that no one has the power to snatch them out of my hand. I'm like, oh, that's great. So Jesus says that about himself. And then he goes on and he says, my father who has given them to me is a gift. We are his gift. What a blessing that is. We are his gift. My father who has given them to me as his gift is the mightiest of all. And no one has the power to snatch them from my father's care. Whoa. No one has the power to snatch them from my father's care. The Father and I are one. No one can snatch you from God. No one can take you out of his hands. As we are pursuing our lives and we're choosing to follow Jesus and we're tuned into God's voice and we're desiring what he wants. His word says it. No one has the power to snatch them, to snatch us from God. And as we reflect upon that, I want you to keep that in mind as, as we continue on in, in the thoughts that God has for you today. So he brought me to what the definition of thwart means. There are some cool words in our dictionary, uh, or our English language, so to speak. And if you don't know what the word thwart means... I'm going to tell you. It means to prevent someone from accomplishing something. To be in opposition. uh, To defeat somebody in in their hopes of or aspirations. uh, To check or defeat or defeat another's plan or block an achievement of a goal. And so when I say that nothing can thwart God's destiny for each one of you. That is the God-honest gospel truth. No one can defeat God. No one can oppose him successfully. No one can defeat, prevent him from accomplishing his will in the earth. It's going to come forth. (laughs) Whether we recognize it and we partner with him in what he wants to do in and through us, And he gives us those God-ordained moments. No one, no puny little Satan. I know that I've been guilty of acknowledging that Satan is an equal of God and that's not true. I've had to repent for that thought. God's God's gently reminded me, you know what? You make him a lot bigger than he really is. And I'm, I'm talking about the enemy. He doesn't deserve any credit. He does a lot of crazy, crazy things in the earth. All right. But God counteracts that with his people and his kingdom. So there is no one that can stand in God's way. There are no schemes of man, no schemes of Satan that is going to perfect what God wants to happen in the earth. His will and his providence will go forth. And over the, you know, over the course of human history, there have been a lot of God-ordained moments that, you know, you cannot deny that God had a hand in this. The majority of us as Americans recognize that God had a huge role in helping us establish the United States of America as we know it. Now, have we strayed? Sure. (laughs) But the establishing of the United States of America 
and all the individuals that were a part of birthing this country, those are God-ordained moments. I know that there are miraculous stories of George Washington on the battlefield and horses being shot and his coat being shot and holes through everything but himself. (laughs) That is God. And, you know, I know there's other historical stories in terms of big events, okay? But God kind of triggered this thought in me about God or during... Okay, let's rewind and grab a hold of my tongue about God-ordained moments. And, you know, sometimes it's more the everyday things. I mean, you know, American history is totally wonderful, and you can't deny that at all. But, like, there's a measure of inspiration that also comes from stuff that happens present day or relatively present day. And so you can clearly see God's hand in the shaping of of his moments, not only in the world history, but in our personal history. And all of us have personal testimonies of how God's worked in and through our lives. But I'm here to tell you that he will use us in situations and opportunities in a a space of time that we might not be able to see when it's happening to us. We might not see it this part of this uh, side of heaven, but it will have eternal rewards, as Pastor Fred was talking about. So I have a couple stories to tell. We'll see how they go. (laughs) So there's Guy. His name is Jesse Owens. And he said, you know what? We have, we all have dreams. Bringing them to reality involves a hideous amount of determination, dedication, discipline, and effort. And may I add to that quote, by the grace of God. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with the name of Jesse Owens, let me introduce you to this guy. In 1936, he represented the United States and our Olympic team. In 1936, the Olympics were in Berlin, Germany. For any of you who know your history, there was a period of time where Adolf Hitler was trying to show off how wonderful Nazi Germany was. I know. But the thing is, this is a God-ordained moment right here. See, it might not have been the wisest decision, because what was going on was the American International Olympic, our committee was kowtowing to Hitler's request that no Jewish athletes should show up there. So... That left the door wide open for Jesse Owens and his crew to step into the Olympic events. And see, Hitler's idea was that the Germans were going to sweep the events and win all the medals because they were the superior race. But God had another plan. Jesse Owens showed up and he cleaned the floor with them. Jesse Owens is a black man, if you didn't know that. Jesse Owens was 22 years old when he won four gold medals of the 100 meters, the long jump, the 200 meters. And the 4 by 100 relay, along with a great team of Americans. 
So you can't tell me that that's not a God-ordained moment. I mean, it's, it's super crazy and yucky that, you know, the Jewish athletes who were slated to be there didn't go. But God set up a system where Jesse Owens, who is not of the perfect race, to come in and take Hitler's notice. He, he, God used him to lay waste to his idea of a master race because he, Jesse Owens, kicked their high knees. <laughs> So at this time, God used Jesse Owens to prove that individual excellence, that determination, that drive, you know, to to do what you're good at, to pursue your dreams, was good and was necessary to be successful. And it didn't have anything to do with race. It's the drive. It's the determination. It's the go to do what you were created to do. So just like Jesse Owens, whether you realize it or not, Papa God's going to place you, he'll place us in situations where there are, will be doors that are put before us. And if you don't walk through them, God will give that opportunity to someone else. That's kind of like a downer, but (laughs) it's true. If Jesse Owens had said no, then somebody else would have been in the next person in line. God wants to fulfill great and wonderful and powerful things through us. A lot of the time, we just have to be paying attention and we need to be connected to him. That's why it's important that as we are his sheep, that we hear his voice. And that we're asking him, oh God, I don't know if I should go and do that. Well, maybe you should. (laughs) Because let's just face it, we need to be able to be willing and to be open to trusting God that what he said that the promises that he makes us and what he sets before us, we can do and realize that we can do with him. Because it's not of our of ourselves. Okay? So there's an alignment with heaven that needs to take place. And that alignment with heaven is that we need to be reaffirmed or we need to recognize that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. That our identity, you're getting slammed with identity message again. But it's so good and it's so true. We need to live and move from a place that we are sure that we are loved, that we're connected to our Papa Papa God and that we have all access to the wisdom of heaven. You have all access to the things of heaven. And so often we don't even recognize that. We get so focused on what we can't do, what's in front of us. Oh my gosh, I can't handle that. I can't, I won't, I shouldn't. And things like fear and mindsets and just craziness. The voice of the enemy comes in and tries to talk talk us out of what we're supposed to be doing. That's why it is so, so important that we recognize that we are co-heirs with Jesus. Come on. Co-heirs with Jesus. Who else gets to say that? I don't think there's other religions out there saying I'm a co-heir with Muhammad. I'm a co-heir with the Buddha, or I don't even know who's out, who else is out there. <laughs> I don't care who else is out there, but you guys get it. <laughs> we are co-heirs with Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. <sighs> so we need to recognize that once 
we recognize that we are sons and daughters and we can be connected, then nothing else matters. But let me just say this. If you don't understand or have a recognition that you are a son and daughter, you are living the life of an orphan. There's no way to sugarcoat that. (laughs) You are living an orphan life. And you cannot live life successfully for from being an orphan, having that identity. You know, where you feel abandoned and cut off from your parents, from your father. And you recognize that you are a victim to the cruel world around you. Now, this is a disclaimer. Let me say, you know, there are times in our lives when things go crazy, when things happen to us that, you know, that other people's decisions kind of screw up our lives. <laughs> Let's just face it, that happens. Um, we don't have any control over things sometimes. And it ends up, for the lack of a better word, being crap. But we cannot let ourselves marinate in a victim mindset. And what I mean by that is just kind of feeling sorry for ourselves and blaming others for what's going on in our lives. There are times, you know, that we, depending on what the circumstances are, I know I've been through there. Oh, God, you know, if only this hadn't happened to me, then my life would be great. Oh, oh Lord, hadn't we made these crazy financial decisions when we were younger, we would have more money now. And, oh, Lord, or whatever you want to do to fill in for your blanks. Oh, Lord, I wouldn't be as screwed up as I am emotionally if it wasn't for my parents who didn't really show emotion. (laughs) I've overcome that, praise God. (laughs) So we all have stuff to deal with, okay? But if you choose to stay in the victim mindset, then you won't go anywhere. You'll be stuck. And if you're stuck, I want to pray for you. Or if you know, because all of us know people, if we're not, if we haven't been there, or if we're not there, I hope you're not there. But if you are there, I want to pray for you. But we also know people who are there. And God, it's not his destiny for people to stay there in the victim mindset. Because that closes off the world and it closes off any connection with God. Yes. And so you may not realize it, but having a victim mindset impacts those around you. The people who love you, the people who depend upon you. And so when you make the choice to stay there, you have the potential. It's a high potential that you're going to limit your spouses. You're going to limit your kids and their ability for success. You're going to limit, you know, your friends and others. You kind of like drag them into this prison mindset. But let me just say this. Haha, there's hope. There is hope. Okay. The victim mindset is does not have to be a place that you permanently live from. You don't have to stay there. You have the choice. That choice was given us given to us by Jesus. He paid the price for that, for that victim mindset. He restored us to the Father so we no longer have to be orphans. He swooped in, my gosh, and he healed us. I know this is a really simple story, but you know what? I was talking to T about this a couple weeks ago, and he reminded me of the story. This little teeny story about the athlete Jim Thorpe. I'm kind of like on an Olympic thing here today, so there might be a theme. Who knows? But... Anyway, kind of like the underdog, God-ordained moments. And Jim Thorpe is a great athlete. He 
too showed up at an Olympic Games in, I think it was Stockholm. Is that in Sweden? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, Jim was a runner. He was cool. He, he uh, got stuff done. He was over there in the 1912 Olympics. Okay? Minutes before he's supposed to get out on the track and field area, he goes to look at his stuff for his shoes, and they're gone. <laughs> Somebody show, stole the man's shoes. So what did he do? He didn't give into this victim mindset and say, oh, screw it, I'm not going to run. You know, I won't do well. Woe is me. They stole my favorite Nikes. I'm just done. Nike didn't exist at that time, so. Anyway. No, what did he do? He, he went and he dumpster dived and got some shoes out of the trash so he could run. And they weren't the same shoes. They were two separate shoes. One was so big that he had to put extra socks on. But you know what? He won two gold medals. Praise God. He didn't let any obstacles, any victim mindset come in between him and his destiny. Now, I would love to say that Jim Thorpe was a believer and that he, you know, was believing that God was going to do it. But there was something bigger that came out of him that rose up. To do what he was meant to do. How often do you get distracted by the crap of the world? By your shoes that are missing? Or that someone stole? Or like, you know, you get distracted by something that the enemy stole from you. He does not have a say. No. I am preaching right now. <laughs> the enemy has no say. Yeah. This almost makes me weepy. Because I know people who have surrendered to, to whatever the enemy wants to do in their lives and just say, roll over me, I'm done. No, you are not done. <sighs> Jim Thorpe, he wasn't done. He comes back to the States. He plays professional baseball, football, and basketball. Who does that? He did it way before Michael Jordan did it. He did it way before, uh, who else? Deion Sanders and a couple others that like crossed over sports. He did all three for crying out loud. He excelled at what he did because he stepped into the destiny that was set before him. And you know what? It's not just like you just all of a sudden you step in and say, here I am, God, use me. I mean, yes, he'll use you, but you also got to do something with it. Like, Jim Thorpe didn't show up, just show up and, you know, never ran a, ton, uh, a mile in his life, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, he had practiced, he had trained, you know. He, you got to put some uh, rubber on this, uh, you know, rubber on, as the rubber meets the road. You know, you got to put effort into it. God opens the door, but you got to do some stuff with it. You know, billionaires don't become billionaires just because God drops a whole lot of money in their lap. Because if that were the case, make me one. <laughs> right? There's work. There's dedication. There's effort. There's training. There's study. I mean, I hate to say this, but Tom Brady, God help us. I will not call him the goat, because I don't think he is. 
GOAT stands for the greatest of all time. Okay? But he kept going. He stepped in in a moment of time when the guy before him got injured. <laughs> and he stepped in. His first game that he stepped in to play after the other guy got injured, he didn't win. Most people think that Tom Brady's career was unicorns and winds and roses all the time. It was a lot of the time, but it wasn't the whole time. And he's still trying to do stuff that is pushing the boundaries of natural science, but <laughs> that's him. <laughs> but he studied. He wanted to get better at his craft. So he continued to go after it and to pursue it. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure to some of y'all, sports don't mean a darn thing, and that's fine. It, it doesn't really, I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not, you know, I live for it. But the point is, God will use you in whatever your craft is. Whether it's politics or farming or electrical stuff. We have such a great electrical people. I love it. We have an electric company almost here. The military and acting and doctoring and physical therapy and teaching and, and computer stuff. And pastoring. God knows that we screw it up. <laughs> but there's grace, yay? I don't know. So the encouragement here, you know, we don't have to live as orphans. You don't have to focus on the stuff that doesn't matter, that tries to distract you from your destiny. So my encouragement to you is that there is always hope, and that hope is Jesus. So if you're struggling with a victim mindset or feeling like you're an orphan, you need to get healed, you need to get help, and surrender your pride and perfectionism. I'm, I'm speaking for me too, okay? I was very prideful, and I probably still have some that needs to go away, um, and perfectionistic. You need to get help. Seeking out help is not a sign of weakness, it's, but it's extreme strength. When you come to the end of yourself and you're tired of living your life the way it's going, <laughs> then God has something to deal with. Because then you're in a position where it's like, okay, God, I can't do it. I surrender. And then God says, oh. I can deal with that. I can work with that. So what do we need to do? Get help and repent. <sighs> so repent from victimhood and repent to Sonship. Because the word repent means to turn around and go the opposite direction. So you can repent from being a victim and you repent to being a son and a daughter. And I love that. I stole it from somebody else, but I like it. Because you're, you know, I, I'm often hearing, you know, repent from this, repent from that, you know. And that's, that's good. But I, I appreciate the acknowledgement of repenting to, going towards the opposite. So God. So let me just remind you that the enemy cannot take you from his hand. So God places desires in our hearts to accomplish his will. But never once does he want to force us to do his will.
So often people who uh, are not Christians, and even some people who are Christians, they believe that God's making them do things. (laughs) And that's not the case. God's will doesn't happen through man without our consent. There's always a choice. And as his children, we need to be careful about what we choose to partner with. And when I'm talking about partner with, I'm talking about a spirit of belief or unbelief. Where we mentally say, yep, I agree with that and I'm going in that direction. A spirit of belief, it makes us willing and open and trusting that God will work it out his way. And that we choose to be connected to him in the process. A spirit of unbelief will lead us to mistrusting God in his timing. And when we are mistrusting God and doubting his timing, that may lead us to try and accomplish our heart's desires on our, on our own. Sometimes it can get kind of messy. So unbelief, he, that invites the enemy to have open access to our minds and our thoughts with our mindsets. And then sometimes doubt gets in there and fear. And um, then we question what God tells us to do. And as we entertain all that more and more and more, it puts us into a position, well, I can handle this. I can do it my way. I don't even know if this is a word, but I've probably heard it before. Uh, Own wayness. Doing it my way. Well, if you know anything in terms of uh, biblical history, check out the story of Sarah and Abraham. They decided to get the promises on their own way, and it didn't work out so well initially. So in Genesis chapters 12 through 25, there is the story of Abraham and Sarah, and it talks about how Abraham and Sarah were promised a son. And when Abraham and Sarah, uh, I mean, they were like in their 60s and 70s at at the time when they were promised the son. You know, God said this was going to happen. It didn't actually happen until closer to 90s and 100, 25 years or so later. But see, the thing was, when they got the promise, they were like, okay, sure. And when it didn't come to pass, as soon as maybe they would have liked or would have hoped, Sarah had this great idea of having Abraham lie with one of her handmaidens, Hagar, so an heir could be birthed through her. Well then. Abraham, even though this may have been Sarah's idea, Abraham partnered with her unbelief, and he took part of this. So as a result, Hagar became pregnant and she gave birth to Ishmael. Which I believe is the nation of Islam. So out of Abraham came the nation of Israel and the nation of Islam. So when we go our own way to fulfill our dreams outside of God's will, we end up birthing Ishmael's instead of Isaac's. Isaac was the promised son. And he was eventually born. Don't get me wrong. God still had his way. Ishmael wasn't the perfect way. <laughs> but Ishmael wasn't the promise. Isaac was. And so if there's a lesson to be learned in this is that sometimes if you find yourself in a position where and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we all have perfect lives and that it just all goes smoothly in A, B, and C and we're all good and you know, 
life is wine and roses and stuff. It's not that. It's about where you choose to set your mind and who you're, you're connected with. It's about being connected with God and what he says and holding, holding him true to what his promises are. So Philippians 2, 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He works in and through us for his good pleasure. He's got great and wonderful things that he's placed upon our hearts to do. We just need to choose to, first of all, recognize our identity in him. Second, say, trust him that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And believe that he's going to do it. Now are there times or there moments when we might feel that we're not connected with God or we're not sure, hey, I'm stepping in this direction, God, and I'm going to go and I'm not sure that I hear from you? Yeah, there are times when, when that happens. But you got to trust God that if you step into the wrong thing, he will get you out or he'll take you out and he'll get you back on the right path. It's trusting him, which involves risk. Oh, my. So, again, Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When God puts something on your heart, he will give you a plan to accomplish it. He's going to open doors for you to walk through, and he's going to close the doors that you shouldn't walk through. And the thing is, you got to choose to be a part of it. God doesn't use people who don't want to be used. Newsflash. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not, you know, he loves you. Don't get me wrong. You know, God loves everybody. But he's not going to use you if you don't want to be used by him. He didn't design us to be, we weren't meant to be his minions who's just going to act, you know, and do stuff because he tells us to do it. No. His desire all along has, has been to include us in the unfolding of earth's destiny. You know, to, to release us into the fullness of everything that he desires us to be. And so often as a church, we've been sleeping and not awake to the call of what he desires. That's changing. Praise God. (laughs) I mean, come on. If God wanted to do everything himself, he wouldn't have created us in his image. He just said, boom, you're a robot. Do what I tell you to do. No. We are the imprint of his glory. Oh my goodness. We have his intellect. We have access to his intellect. We have his creativity. We have his wisdom. We have his ability to love. Sometimes we don't feel like it some days. <laughs> but he's given us an ability to love one another. And, and to spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus and to increase his kingdom. So Pastor Fred last week was talking about that sweet spot where it's a place of partnering with him and letting him direct and fix and change as he needs to do that. You know, if you weren't here, he kind of gave the analogy of hitting the ball with the big driver. Uh, the golf ball, I mean. <laughs> when everything is into alignment and in place, the ball goes really far. As we're connected with Papa and we're stepping into that sweet spot, and He's speaking into our hearts and we're receiving it into our spirits, that true identity that He's given us. I don't even know what's next. 
Oh, yeah, good stuff. And we let him wash over us with his love. And we're open to being prepared to step into what's before us no matter what. There may come a time where we might have to wait for him to promote us. And sometimes that's a hard place to be in the waiting. King David from the Bible. He was anointed king at like age 15 or 16. He wasn't fully set into king to being the king until his early 30s. So that's probably about mm, 15 to 17 years between that. This was a story of a man who trained for the battlefield while he was trusting in the shepherd's field. He was a shepherd boy. He was a man who honored his predecessor, Saul, who hunted him in order to kill him. When it was David who could have killed Saul ten times over. But he didn't. David's life was a great example of a yielded life to the father. But he did not lead or live a life of perfection. He desired to do what was right. But in not, you know, choosing God's ways sometimes, it led to severe consequences in David's life. But regardless... It always brought him back to God. David always went back to God. There was always an honor and a repentance and a theme in his life. So regardless of where you feel in life, you are never too far from God. You can never not return to him. It's probably a double double negative, and if it doesn't make sense, (laughs) he will always take you back. (laughs) So my encouragement to you in this is, you do not have to live a life of perfection, but you need to live a life yielded to progress. And let me just say there are times that you're going to absolutely mess it up. I've... I've done it. But there's always hope for the promise. And trusting God is the way to go. So, Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's where I want to be. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the reminders that nobody can take us out of your hand. That you are a good shepherd and that you are our teacher and that you desire such, such good things for us. His word says, do not fear. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To remind my reminder to you is this. Be brave. (laughs) Let Papa use you. Get healed. Know who you are. Walk through those open doors. Be open to your God-ordained moments. And when you do, history will be made. So, Father, I thank you so much for your word, God, for your words of truth. I thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us as orphans, that but that you bring us into the kingdom, God. 
and that you want more and more for us. Thank you, Father, for your great love that you pour out upon us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the choice to come into alignment with you, God. Thank you, God, that we don't have to stay in the victim mindset, that we can and we know that we are your sons and daughters. Father, we thank you for those reminders of our friends and family and fellow co-heirs in Christ that help us come to you, God, when we're struggling. We're thankful, God, that you give us great reminders of who we are in you. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful, God, for our relationship with you and all that you do for us and the blessings that you pour out upon us, God. We just love you, Papa, and we want to be used by you. Kind of sounds like a song. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for your love. I just pray that you would bless everybody in this room, everybody who's watching online, Lord God. And may this word bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I was reminded as she was uh, giving that word real quickly of the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brethren, that not many, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. The base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by doing this, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So it's just a really good reminder that, I mean, we, we are those things. We're, the, we're of that clay, no matter who we are. And, and yet God uses us to do great and mighty things. So um, just want to say uh, to those of you at home, if you want to contact us, if you're in need of further prayer, you can go to arcgenoa.org and you can contact us from there. You can give online. You can uh, also There's a button to meet Jesus if you don't know him as your personal Savior. So, for all of you, blessings on your week. I pray that you would enjoy your extra day off uh, and and spend some of that in in thankfulness for uh, the price that was paid in this nation for our freedom. No, um, there may be services which you can attend, or perhaps you just spend some extra time during your quiet time remembering all that God has done through the men and women of this great nation who have given their lives. Um, what a blessing, and uh, we are eternally thankful. So with that, God bless you all. Have a great week. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.